these gifts, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. We're making progress. I know, you're still in point one. I didn't tell God to put five kinds. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll read our text. Father, we come before you to hear from you. Father, help us to see your bride. Help us to see her the way you see her. Help us to rejoice at being a part of your bride. And Father, help us to grasp and be overwhelmed uh, with the privilege, with the uh, responsibility. But yet, Father, let us understand the grace that has been given to us, that we can uh, be used to your glory and praise. Father, thank you. Thank you so much. We lay it before you to your glory. Amen. Verse 28, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, and third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administration, various kinds of tongues. What we're looking at is what I broke it out into an outline is the gifts of men, gifts that strengthen, and gifts that signal. And we are still looking at gifts of men. We have looked at God has appointed, God has set some in is the literal translation. God has set some in the church. Okay? Key to this phrase. He set some in. Do you know what that means? Plural. I have set some in the church. What were these that you set into the church? These are gifts of men. First were apostles. If you take it back to the original language, guess what you will find out? First were apostles. Okay, first were apostles. Then if you continue to look in the Greek, you will see that second were prophets. What were these? These were gifted men set in the church, plural. All right. We've looked at this in depth. You may have to go back, uh, check out the World Wide Web or iTunes or get the CD. uh, And you'll find out that we showed that there are the big A's and the little A's. Big apostles and little apostles. No. Some were a definite office and some were the generic term. All right. Well, what you will see with the big A's, the definite article apostles, that they were used worldwide. They were taking the good news that the world had never heard and they were taking it to the world. Then we see prophets, capital P, the office of prophet. It's, now listen. I didn't want to get into a lot of this, but there's a difference between the prophet and prophecy. All right. Yes, I would bet the dog, and I don't even have a dog, that the prophet had the gift of prophecy. All right. I mean, that's um, God's not as dumb as we like to think he is. All right, so there's two separate entities there. I dealt extensively with the office of prophet, who they were, what they did, and you will find that they were more to a local assembly. Okay? They did travel a little bit, but not extensively as the apostles would have. All right? So we've looked at that. We looked at their reasoning. The reasoning was they were for, for the foundation. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. We've seen that they had revelation. What I mean is, when they said, God has said, or God told me, God had literally told them. 
Okay? And they literally started writing it down. A lot of people today say, God has told me. And my first response is, are you writing it down? No, then it ain't that important. Sorry. Okay? I'm still getting through the 66 that God has told me. Okay? And I hope he doesn't add any more because at times I struggle with these 66. All right? So they, they were, had revelations, but they were also confirmed by miracles. Please understand the definition of miracle. It is when God intervenes into the natural order and there's absolutely no way to explain it. Okay? Let me try to be clear on this. We will hear people speak of healing miracles. Okay, please. God can do whatever God wants to do whenever God wants to do it, however he wants to do it. All right? We have healing miracles that go on today that I believe are a direct coalition to what God is doing. Listen, when you can take and open up a guy's chest, shut his heart off, take some veins out of his butt, put them in his heart, sew him back up and let him go. What is that? That's miraculous. But it didn't come with the divine intervention into the natural. It became because God said, let me give you some of my wisdom. Okay, if God did the miracle, you don't have to crack the chest. The veins automatically jump out of his butt and into his heart. And you don't have to worry about it. Okay, do you see the difference between God does it? Don't get me wrong. What we do on an intellectual basis is miraculous. I mean, I remember when there was the earth rise from the moon. Okay? That's miraculous. That, that's one of those things I just sit there and go, whoa. Okay? So, that, but see the difference? God has given us wisdom. God has given us knowledge. Amazing stuff. Absolutely amazing stuff. Figure out problems. But there are times when God says, this is me. Okay? When a dead body gets up and jumps for joy, man can't do that. Man can't do that. Well, but they started his heart. Okay? Was he dead? Well, his heart stopped. Was he dead? But his heart stopped. Was he dead? No. Still brain activity. I mean, we're on the line. Don't, don't get me wrong. But we have the ability to jumpstart him and back up and run and CPR, weird stuff like that we can do, right? But I'm talking dead. I'm talking, you know, Lazarus has been in the tomb for a while. And if you call him out, roll that stone out of there, we're going to have pew. Okay? That's the kind of dead I'm talking about. I'm talking about having... A severed spinal cord. Okay. Absolutely no ability from the point of that damage down for anything. And a shadow of Apostle Peter walked by. And you can get up and walk. Okay. That's a miracle. Alright. So what I tried to share a few weeks ago when I started this. We've taken really good words that God has given us. And... Um, Hijacked them. I mean, I like charisma. I like charismatic, um, gracious gift. I like that idea. I like miracles. 
But we see a lot of stuff today that we call miracles that aren't. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, but I'm talking about when God intervenes into stuff. All right, so they were confirmed. How could I know that the Apostle Paul was sent by God? He did miracles to confirm it. Okay, miracles to confirm it. But as you watch the progression of his ministry, the miracles get fewer and fewer. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was coming upon people and lives were changing to the point where it says all of Macedonia and Achaia knew that God had been in Thessalonica. What miracle did Paul do in Thessalonica? None recorded. None recorded. Okay? So, they did this because we were looking at the establishment of the church. And as the church became more and more established, there became more and more, we're going to hate this word, doctrine. Doctrine. And as they began to pin it down, we started to find out that the foundation work was done. Who was involved in this? Both the apostles were the main found, uh, doctrinal teachers, but the prophets did do some. But you will find that the prophets speaking for God at different times were only reiterating what the apostles had already said. All right, let's move on to the next one. Okay, the next one I want to pick up comes out of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Okay. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, and some as evangelists. Evangelists. What is this that is going on? Each one of us, grace is given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, he said, when he ascended on high, he led led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Okay? What the heck is an evangelist? Okay, what is it? You know what's amazing about this? We see them all over the place, and they are few and far between mentioned in the New Testament. That's kind of weird, I think. I believe that there's a great need for them. Um, What is it? Well, if I was to ask the evangelical community today, what is an evangelist? They would probably come up with this profound statement. Someone who goes around preaching the gospel. Okay. The beginning of the word, (laughs) evangelist, its original understanding was a soap seller. Gosh, what a drag, huh? Kind of thought there'd be more to it. Well, think about it. The soap seller, he would cruise around, find some dirty guy, clean him up, and say, here, buy my soap. That's what an evangelist does. But evangelist cleans the inside. Three places in Holy Writ do you find evangelist? 2 Timothy 4.5, Acts 21.8. Timothy is told to do the work of an evangelist. And in 21.8, it says Philip was. little footnote on Philip was. He had two virgin daughters. Do you know what they were? Virgin daughters of Philip, the evangelist. (laughs) Prophetesses. Interesting thought, huh? I'll deal with that when I get to the gift of prophecy. Okay? Just, you know. Um, One who proclaims the good news. 
Like I said three times. I want you to think of this, though, because there's something that is missing that we're, I think that we forget sometimes. Okay? This is a collective group. Please hear me. Plural. Collective group given to the church. Okay? Now, I read some stuff that I thought was comical. Um, That's just the way I am. Uh, And some have concluded that the evangelists have taken over the role of the apostles. Okay? Um, Hmm. You think so? I can see where they can kind of do some quantum physics and get to that position. Uh, I can show you that Philip uh, had the ability to do miracles. Apostles could do miracles, don't you think? Okay. Um, But I do struggle with making a blanket statement like that. Um, Again, when I started through this, are all of these men in the church today? Do the church have these all the time? And what the heck is going on here? Uh, have they overtaken it? Well, first and f- foremost, chapter 4, verse 11 says it is a group. And Acts chapter 21, verse 8 said that Philip was one. But a key that they miss about Philip comes out of Acts chapter 6. Okay, Acts chapter 6, it says that Philip was one of the seven. One of seven what? Dwarfs? Original deacons. Original deacons. Okay, so let's cruise around here in the book of Acts and look at some of this. Um, 21.8 says, On the next day he left and he came to Caesarea, entering the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven. Okay, but I want to move over... To chapter 8. Chapter 8 of book of Acts. And we see. We're going to go spend a little time with an evangelist. What's he, what's he up to? Okay. Chapter 8 verse 4 of the book of Acts. And I want to look at verse 5 too. Therefore. Okay, now I want to pick that up in a minute, okay, because that's referring back to chapter 8 and actually chapter 7. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about doing what? Interesting thought, isn't it? Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began what? That sort of fits preaching the word, don't you think? What is happening here? Chapter 7 is the first martyr of Christendom. Stephen, this is it. And then the first three, um, you find out the apostle Paul was there at the stoning of Stephen. He was holding coats and decided that this is pretty cool. And I will get into this persecution of Christians. Interesting concept. So what happened is the first soap seller literally got drove out of town. You got that? They're in Jerusalem. God has blessed this church. The, the first church has been blessed. What happened? He scattered them. 
So he went down to Samaria. I like Philip. If I was going to be an evangelist, I want to be one like Philip. Okay? Who's doing the persecution? The Jews, right? Romans, Romans crucified Jews stone. So if I'm an evangelist, I know I have to preach this message. Where would you go? Samaria. Why? Jews would not enter that land. Na, 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 na. <laughs> I can preach the gospel and you can't touch me. Okay? Well, that's just the way I look at it. But what were they doing? Preaching the word. You know what I think is missing in our churches today? The evangelists have forgotten what they're supposed to do. Okay? I have literally heard people confess to me that I am an evangelist because I don't want to get bogged down in theology. So what's he preaching? Well, I can tell you what they're preaching. They'll read a text and then tell you about ten stories and give an invitation. And they call themselves evangelists. Okay? I have met a handful of evangelists. No, 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 no. I'm talking about true evangelists. Okay? And they are some of the most doctrinally empowered men that I have ever... One of the greatest evangelists I've ever met in my entire life was Dr. Stephen Olford. He's in glory now. His rewards are still piling up. And that boy there had some earth-shattering doctrine, deep things of God he understood. And he had preached on every continent except for Antarctica. And you know what he did? He preached the Word. Preached the Word. It says here that Philip went down to Samaria and he was proclaiming Jesus. Preaching Christ. All right? So if I wanted to look at a big picture of what an evangelist is, I'm thinking it's somebody who's a preacher of Christ. Okay? He was working to win people. Look what he says there in verse 6. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip. And as they heard and they saw signs which he was performing. Right? He, this is that what, what I call a soul winner. He's winning souls. How's he doing it? Preaching the word. He did have the ability to do miracles. Why? Can an evangelist today? Why do we need it? When you say, I need to be able to see somebody doing a miracle, you just told God that his word is of no value to you. If you have a copy of scriptures in your hand, you possess the greatest miracle that exists. It is only the word of God. Oh, is that all? So to confirm Philip at the infancy of the church to confirm what he was saying was true, God gave some of these evangelists miraculous abilities. Chapter 8, verse 35. 34 two. 
So he was in Samaria and he was preaching to crowds. He's having revivals. He'd rented Mile High Stadium just outside of Ashdod. Come on down. We're going to have 10 revivals. You ought to see the musicians we got. We got a couple of pro football players and they're going to give their testimony and we're going to preach the word. Let me show you what else he did. You all know about this one. The eunuch, he was there and then he's not there. He runs into a eunuch and this eunuch asks him, he was led by sheep to slaughter a lamb before the, this is what the eunuch is asking. He's reading the Bible trying to figure out what this thing is. Lamb before the shearer silence so does not open his mouth and humiliation and judgment is taken away. Who will relate to this generation for his life is removed from the earth? And the eunuch answered, Philip and said, tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or someone else? Okay? What does Philip do? He opens his mouth. And then what? Beginning from this scripture, he preached Christ. Hmm. Listen, the first part of chapter 8, we see Philip preaching to a crowd. In the middle of chapter 8, we see him preaching to one person. So an evangelist can be effective to a group, or an evangelist can be effective to an individual. An evangelist is someone given to the church for the purpose to energize or to, to accomplish the winning of people to Christ. Look at verse 40. But Philip found himself, told you, Ashdod. And as he passed through, he kept to all cities until he came to Caesarea. Okay. Then I showed you in chapter 21 that they had come down to Caesarea where who was? Philip the evangelist, and he had his family with it. So you see Philip move out of Jerusalem, move to a couple of different areas that God wanted the gospel taken to, and then he goes back up to Caesarea and becomes, in one point, in one point. Okay? But here's the key I want you to see about him. There's something that Philip kept doing. What was that? Preaching the word. You couldn't get him to shut up. He was preaching Jesus. He was preaching the gospel. He was preaching Jesus. Okay, now let's go over and I want to show you another one. Okay? Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. Okay? Verse 5 says this. Good stuff here. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist. What will happen? You'll fulfill your ministry. Okay, let me show you something here. Be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Those are all passive voice. You know what that means? The result is not a choice. Let me show you that 
choice in verse 4. They will turn their ears away from truth and will turn aside to miss. Okay? Passive voice says, be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Got that? Timothy. Now understand, 2 Timothy is discipleship. It's discipleship. How do you want to fulfill your ministry? How do you want to fulfill being a disciple maker? Sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. Okay? Timothy, to make your ministry foolproof, you need to do the work of an evangelist. Okay? So, now keep this in mind. I'm going to try to keep this together. I know it's going to be a little tough. Ephesians 4.11, you have a collective group that are evangelists. Plural. Okay? Given to who? To the church. For the strengthening of the saints for the work of ministry. You have Philip as an example. You have Timothy as another example. And there's no doubt in my mind that there are many, 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 many more who do it. Why? If Timothy, 2 Timothy is how to make um, disciples, then most disciples will do what? Do the work of an evangelist. Okay? How do you do the work of an evangelist? You preach the word. Second Timothy is the one that says, show yourself approved, rightly dividing truth. Why? Because I want you to do the work of an evangelist. I don't need you to read a scripture and tell us some cute stories. I need you to preach Jesus Christ. Okay? Here's what Kittle said. There could be Little difference between apostles and prophets. All the apostles, though all the apostles being evangelists, on the other hand, not every evangelist is an apostle. Makes sense. Direct calling from the risen Lord is an essential aspect of the apostles. Did Timothy have a direct calling from the Lord? No, but he did from the apostle. See the difference? Okay. Evangelists are subordinate to the apostles. The three texts that I just gave you, who are they subordinate to? To the apostles. Let me show you how this works. All the evangelists are not apostles. Okay. But all apostles are evangelists. What were they doing? Preaching the word, preaching the word. Okay. What is important is that the work of the preaching of the gospel is essence, essential here. All right. That is the work of an evangelist. That is the work of an evangelist. They laid the doctrine that came from the apostles and the evangelist took it later and did what? Preach it. Okay, so we are at a position where a rock solid foundation has already been given. And the evangelists today continue to work off of that rock solid foundation. They must be preaching scripture, not storytelling. Too many tell stories. 
Okay? An evangelist is not equal to an apostle. They did the same work. They definitely did the same work. But there is definitely a distinction. Listen. Acts chapter 8, the one text that the part that I didn't want to deal with because I want you to think about it. We've got the birth of the church, right? Right? Acts 8, man, we're talking fledgling church, remember? They got run out of town. God says, I need the word to go out across all the world. And they're like, I ain't going out there. Them Gentiles everywhere. Okay, so what God do? Killed Stephen. What? Yeah, why? Get out of town. And I want it to go to where? Samaria. What did the Holy Spirit tell him in chapter 2 of Acts? You will be my witnesses, Judea, Galilee, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. And they're all sitting there going, okay. I'll wait for the invention of airplanes. I ain't going nowhere. And God says, you want that? And he got him out of town, didn't he? And he took him to where? Samaria. He goes to the eunuch. Where was the eunuch from? Ethiopia. Oh, guess what? He took him what? The eunuch says, I'm now an evangelist. I will take this text. Remember, he got baptized and then all of a sudden he left again. He went up to Ashdod, preached it there. That would be just outside of Gaza. You know Gaza, that wonderful place today. Okay, then people just didn't get it, did they? All right. But let me show you something that that I left out and I left it out intentionally. You're looking at the birth of the church. What was the foundational status for the church? Had to be the apostles. Why will build this church? And the gates of hell will not stop on. And he says, Peter, on that stone, not you, goofy. On the truth that I am the son of God, I will build my church. I will reveal myself to my apostles and I will prove it. Well, how would you counterfeit that? I can show you how. Remember when he went and preached the gospel to Samaria? All right? He started baptizing. What happened? What didn't happen? They did not receive the Holy Spirit. And they sent some people back up to Jerusalem to get two apostles and go down to Samaria. And when they got there, what happened? They received the Holy Spirit. When the 3,000 and the 5,000 got saved in Jerusalem, what did they give themselves to daily? The apostles' teaching. If you were in Samaria and Philip took off and went to Ashdod and then he went on up to Caesarea, what would those people give themselves to? Whatever they could find. Does Ashdod sound familiar to you? It should. It should. The Ark of Covenant ended up in Ashdod. From the Philistines. And there was the temple of Ashdod there. Remember Dagon kept falling over at night? Because the the covenant, the Ark says, I ain't in here with him. Get down and bow and worship me. And boom, now we found. And they kept sending him back up. They couldn't have must have been an earthquake. And God said, finally, what, on the third night? I'll break that sucker. And it was shattered on the roof. Where was that at? Ashdod. So what do you suppose kind of religion was involved in Ashdod? If you got saved by the preaching of Philip the Evangelist and all of a sudden he left, 
Whose doctrine are you going to follow? Better yet, what doctrine are you going to follow? And so they called two apostles from Jerusalem. They came down and the whole church witnessed the receiving of the Holy Spirit. Who is the church now going to follow? The teaching of the apostles, which is that foundation thing that I've been trying to articulate. I watch people say, well, we're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. Peter ain't coming. It is already here. How do I know the Holy Spirit is received? The teaching of the apostles. Okay, what do I teach? The teaching of the apostles. I, I, this frustrates me. Because I hear all kinds of stupid stuff out there. And I keep thinking, well, you might as well just go to Ashdod and bow down to Dagon. Okay? Philip had no ability to bring about the Holy Spirit's movement. Peter and John did. And that confirmed whose teaching they should stay under. Right? Today... A true evangelist will proclaim the word of God and that would make them a student of who? The apostles. The apostles wrote it down. I am a student of Paul. People ask me, who'd you study under? Paul? Paul who? You know, John, Paul, Ringo, George. The apostle Paul. Gee, many crickets. Who do you study with? Paul? I mean, every once in a while I hang with Peter, a little John. Matthew's a little heady for me. The dude who wrote Hebrews was an apostle. All right, so you see what I'm trying to get at? Why would we say, but I need a sign? You got the Bible? Yeah, what more sign do you want? Word of God revealed through the apostles given to you and I today. If you study the first century church, I'm talking about 100 years out. Okay, I'm I'm actually pushing... 150 to 200, okay, to 300, right in that area. Um, I'm talking about when the, the New Testament is done. John has just finished Revelations, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and his gospel, and he's out of here, and he was the last one, okay? <clears throat> I want to hear what they've got to say. What have they got to say? Why? They're right off the gate. They're right after it, okay? And what they're saying is, And there was a clear understanding that there was this temporary apostles and prophets, but the evangelists were going to take up the teaching and they were going to take it everywhere. Here's what Eubius said. The evangelists, quote, the evangelists are the succession to the apostles who have died, unquote. You know what that means? Eubius wasn't expecting more apostles and prophets. He was expecting evangelists, evangelists. They are not apostles. They are not of the... Eubius said they're not of the apostolic line. Polycarp said they were not of the apostolic line. How important is that? Polycarp was an elder in the church in Ephesus. You know who one of the people in his church would have been? John! The apostle John, the beloved of Christ. But he was serving in a church appointed as an elder by who? Could have been Paul. It would have been at least Timothy. We're talking, do you see how 
important that is? Guess who one of his disciples was? Dubious. Yeah, so when I look at that kind of stuff, no, Eubius' writings is not divinely inspired. But Eubius said, you know what, Paul's are. <laughs> you should read them. He's not easy to read anyway. Eubius. Okay, because I can't call on the spirit of Eubius to explain. Okay? So they understand in the early church that there need to be a continuation of the proclamation. We sit here today and I think, duh. You know, it's not us foreclose the door no more. We are to take this thing out. If not, he'll get you out. He did the first church, didn't he? He did the first church. All right. So Philip is an example of the preaching of the gospel. Understand, the preaching of the gospel is theological. I am dealing with theology. And he was going to where Christ was not named. Okay? We call it today church planters. Church planters. Now then, I want you to think about Timothy's. The letter to Timothy. Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. What does that mean? Well, where was Timothy at? Ephesus. And now you're looking at a church that the Apostle Paul spent a little over two years founding. They were gone for a little bit. Now, Timothy was back as, quote, unquote, senior pastor. Okay? And what was he saying? Stir up the gift that was in you. You're going to do this. And you're going to work a rightly dividing truth. Yada, yada, yada. Go down the line. No big deal. We all get it. All right. That sounds good. But what was he doing? He was in a local assembly stirring the people to do what? Evangelize. Where? Ephesus. So you see, an evangelist can be a person who's out running around the globe, naming Christ where he's never been named, or he's in the local assembly doing what? Stirring others up, getting other people to do it. Reach the city. Reach the city. Well, ain't nobody here. You ain't doing your job. It's not hard. You know, I don't understand that. You should, it should be impossible to be a Christian and not have some evangelistic work in you. It should be impossible. I mean, what, do you want to go out and do a Billy Graham thing? No. You want to see a disciple maker or an evangelist? Study the life of Stephen Olford. You'll see an evangelist. He should study to show himself approved a worker rightly dividing truth. Then what did he do? Took the message to everybody getting his way. Everybody gets in his way. All right. Um, Some churches have evangelists in it. Some churches send evangelists out. Key. Who are the evangelists tied to? Church. For the strengthening of the saints. I went back and was doing some research on Dr. Olford, and guess what? He's always in the church. Always in the church. Always involved with the church. If he wasn't a senior pastor, he was on staff um, as an elder, as associate pastor, and he was evangelizing as he went. But he was always hooked up to a church. What's wrong with us today? 
Okay, now I want to give you a couple little footnotes. We'll wrap this thing up. Some evangelists stay too long. They plant a church. Okay? Christ has never been named. Some stay too long. Um, you, the problem is you have a body of believers who never go beyond altar call. Okay? Uh, we need to move beyond that. Okay? Uh, some need to move over and allow a pastor teacher in. Strengthen the saints for the work. Doesn't mean that they still are not in that church. But sometimes an evangelist stays in the pulpit. And then in some cases, I've seen churches that, yeah, you need to get them people saved. Okay, keep, keep begging. Maybe they'll show up. I don't know. Um, but winning people to Christ, winning souls. One of the things that I see missing today is a complete lack of theology. Who is God? Okay. All right. The other thing is, is that I don't see evangelism as a weekend thing. I don't see we're going to have a crusade and we're going to come in for four days. I don't see that. Just I only see two evangelists named. I mean, outside of the apostles. Okay. And they weren't into weekly crusades. Okay. You need to understand where Caesarea is. Do you understand where it's at? Just north of Samaria. Hmm. Interesting thought. Where was he at? He was there working. I mean, yeah, he had the one thing with the um, Ethiopian eunuch. Sure. I mean, that's cool. You know where eunuchs were, right? In the royal house. Okay. But I don't think that you can be standing in one city and all of a sudden you're standing there and here comes this dude come cruising by you and you're on a completely other position and you can honestly say, well, I was... That's how I evangelize. That's how I evangelize. So I don't, because I ain't ever had that happen. Okay? So, please understand what I'm going to try to share with you about evangelists. This is key. Evangelists, yes, God called. Absolutely. They preached the gospel. They preached the word of God. They're preaching Christ. That's what it is. They're not storytellers. They're not storytellers. They're not there to make you warm and fuzzy all over. They cruise through. They've got the gospel. They're going to be in places where Christ is not named. Or they're going to be in a body of believers stirring them up to do what? Win their city to Christ. How are they going to win their city to Christ? Through the preaching of the word. But God says, okay, and These men are gifts to the church for the what? The strengthening of the saints for the work of ministry. That's what's missing today. That's what's missing today. Evangelists plant church, sure. You know, it's possible that Titus had the gift of evangelism. Okay? Very possible. Paul left him where? Island of Crete, right? He left him on the island of Crete. What was he supposed to do? Finish what was lacking and what? Appoint elders. Let me tell you something. You can't do that in a weekend. You can't do that in a weekend. If you're a church planner, 
then before you can leave that church plant, you have to put in position elders, leadership, overseers. How are you going to do that? On a weekend? Well, we're going to do a seven-day revival. Seven-day. Seven-day. You know, they talk about the Great Awakening in uh, the Welsh countryside right after World War II. You know how long the revivals lasted? I'm talking about preaching in stadiums. What you and I, you know how long they do that? Up to a year and a half every night. Interesting thought, huh? Interesting thought. Why? They were planning churches and they were strengthening the saints for the work of ministry. They also had a group of guys that were with the evangelist who are ready to take over the churches. Okay. Do you know that's how Billy Graham got started? Run into a little short, white-haired Welshman about that tall. He says, Billy Graham was with uh, Youth for Christ. And he says, you know what? You have a passion for God, but you do not know him. You have no understanding of his spirit or what he's doing. Come with me. We'll do a Welsh revival for a year. And I will teach you the things of God. And after a year, he was told that the youth for Christ told him, he says, you can never preach to teenagers more than 15 minutes. Their attention span isn't there. Stephen Olford took him aside and says, it ain't about you. It's about the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit moves, you can preach from sunrise to sunset for multiple days. He went back into London, preached at a a soccer stadium in London. Two and a half hours to teenagers. God moved. Several thousand came to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Many of them are preachers. How did it start? Strengthening with the word of God. We've got to get a hold of this, people. We've got to get a hold of this. It isn't games. It isn't, you know, methods. It isn't, well, I have this. I can do this system or I can do that. No, man. This is back-breaking, laborious work. And it is not for the faint-hearted. It is not for the weak-willed. It is for the person who is bowed down. And all of a sudden, God gave them theology, sound doctrine. And then all of a sudden it dawns on them, you know what? I can't screw this up. Why? Because God's doing it. Cool. If nobody comes, God still did it. I like that. But if you do not show yourself a worker approved, rightly dividing truth, sit down and shut up. Until you cross that bridge. It's that simple. It's that simple. All right? And then guess what happens? You will find yourself doing the work of an evangelist. Of an evangelist. And heaven knows we need a bunch of them. Father, I give you the praise for what you've given to the church. These gifts. These gifts of men. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lord, for their writings. 
Father, to the amazing things that you've done through them. And Father, to the amazing things that you continue to accomplish. Lord, um, you still overwhelm me. You still overwhelm as your word becomes alive and I see it. And it's so simplistic. And yet, Lord, it is so powerful. Father, we who gather. Father, allow us to be overwhelmed with the desire to rightly divide truth. To handle your word as a worker who does not be ashamed. And Father, may we bow before you. And if we do the work of an evangelist, Father, we give you the praise even this moment. Reaching souls to your praise and to your glory. In Christ's name, amen.